It says in Acts chapter 2, verse 42, and they continually devoted themselves. And uh, there's something really pleasing to the Lord about us uh, using our free will and committing. He likes, um, he likes commitment. He loves obedience more than sacrifice. But um, author Napoleon Hill said basically that no great accomplishments ever occur through selfishness. They always occur through great sacrifice. And tonight I want to talk to you out of 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 4 through 8, the love chapter. Look at somebody next to you and say, I'm the love doctor. <laughs> and uh, listen, God is love. Faith works through love. You guys are rowdy tonight, man. Uh, so... John made some interesting uh, statements in, in his gospel. He said, you know, he's the one that pointed out a new commandment God gave to us that we love one another. He's the one that said, uh, by this shall all men know that you're my disciples. It's a big deal to God, man, that we walk in love. At least the body of Christ get along. At least. That's like a bare minimum thing, Right? And as a Christian, I've, I've tried to, as a pastor in a non-denominational, uh, charismatic church, um, I've tried to be non-sectarian, I've tried to love and honor the body of Christ, you know, because after all, it's the body of Christ. And it's, it's God's business, his body is his business, right? And so we've got to love one another, value one another. And um, there's some definition here in 1 Corinthians 13. So let's just, let's just put our seatbelts on and get right into it. Uh, verse 4, love is patient, love is kind. Let's read this out loud together. Ready? Read. Love is patient, love is kind, and is not jealous. Love does not brag and is not arrogant. Does not act unbecomingly. It does not seek its own is not provoked, does not take into account a wrong suffered, does not rejoice in unrighteousness, but rejoices with the truth, bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love never fails. Let's stop right there. So I found something fascinating that I don't think I've ever really noticed before, and I'm grateful for an ongoing prompting of the Holy Spirit. You know, According to Romans 8, whom he foreknew, he also did predestine to conform to the image of his son. Conformity to the image of Jesus' son is another term for growing up. Look at somebody next to you and say, oh, grow up. <laughs> Where to grow up and all, you wanted to say that, so get it out of your system. We, it says in Ephesians chapter 4 that we are to grow up in all aspects in him. How many of you feel like you're learning some things as you go? How many of you think... I mean, how many of you failed and gotten up 57 billion times? Okay, all right. But how many of you feel like you keep falling forward and upward, right? The righteous fall and the Lord lifts them up seven times, right? So we're moving forward. That, this is what maturity looks like. This is our destiny to conform to the image of his son. And these truths... Um, are characteristics that we are to exemplify or walk in, right? So God is love. You know, 1 John chapter 4, verse 7 and 8, Beloved, let us love one another, for love is of God, and everyone that loves is born of God and knows God. And then it says, so the, the one who does not love does not know God. What? For God is love. Mic drop from heaven. And uh, this, is, this is so important um, that I want to remind you of something that was written in Matthew chapter 24, that uh, verse 12, New American Standard, my, my translation, my preferred uh, translation, Matthew 24, 12, because lawlessness is increased, it's discussing the end times, because lawlessness is increased, notice this, many people's love will grow cold. 
I was praying, oh, a few years ago, and God began to point me toward empathy and the lack of empathy. And I started to study it and delve into it. And, um, you know, there are certain reasons why people become prone to uh, uh, lack of empathy. Um, Maybe I I read this that, for example, um, a mother and father are addicted to crack and they're uh, exhausted and they're laying on the couch and their baby who wants a diaper and change and a a bottle can't get the parents to come and and, and, uh, respond. And it does something in the psyche of that young little person. And that's one of the, you know, things that can happen. That's an extreme example. But just this verse, lawlessness increasing, it's a little clearer in the NIV, the New New International Version. It says, because of the increase of wickedness, because of the increase of wickedness, the love of most will grow cold. So... Chinese preacher and author Watchman Nee said that if the church operates in regular temperature, the world will think we broke out in a fever. He's the guy who died in prison for his faith. You know, in a harsh, harsh, you know, the culture revolution. and all. I mean, you would think societies would learn from the other things around us, but they don't. But at least we can go to the Word of God, go delve into these holy scriptures, and, um, and gain some ground and learn to understand something. Now, here's the revelation I got. In the verse 4 through 8, it starts out with two positives, what love is. Love is patient, right? Love is kind. But then it goes into what it's not. And it goes into it's not jealous, uh, it doesn't brag, it's not arrogant, does not act unbecomingly, does not seek its own, is not provoked, does, does not take account into account a wrong suffered, does not rejoice in unrighteousness. Then it goes into positive again. That's, that's eight, that's two positives, eight negatives. Then it goes back into rejoices with the truth, bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things, love never fails. But I just thought the ratio was interesting, and I had never seen that before. And I'll tell you why I think the, Paul the Apostle was inspired by the Holy Spirit to start with a couple positives, but then say the do nots because of the fall of man. This is why I believe that because Adam and Eve ate the fruit of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, guess what? They already knew good because they knew God. And they, they took that fruit, and this is what has so hampered all of humanity. And even the redeemed, Paul said, we look through a glass darkly. This isn't ideal, nor is it perfect yet, right? And so the, the admonition here in these verses, um, love is patient. You know, you put up with stuff, you bear with stuff. Thank God for his long suffering. You know what long suffering is? God suffers long with us. Parenting, you know, you, you, it's, a, it's a thing of patience, right? School teaching, it's a thing of patience. Being a police officer, being a nurse, uh, being a stay-at-home mom, whatever it is, whatever you're called to do, there is a requirement for massive dosage, doses of patience. And we live in a narcissistic, self-indulgent, the Western civilization is rather tipped toward a lot of selfishness. And let, let me just say something about this. In our humanity, guess who we're the most aware of? ourselves, right? Don't you notice that? So this isn't an exhortation for us to somehow completely not think about ourselves because that's unrealistic. That doesn't happen. Everything we do is from the framework of our own self-awareness, right? So I want to just unpack this by saying, you know, you have to be self-aware in order not to be selfish, And the Bible even says to put on the new self and become aware of who we are in Christ, okay? I'm getting ahead of myself. I've got a verse that I think is a real practical key to this whole thing. 
about overcoming selfishness. New, New American Standard says it this way, it does not seek its own. Love does not seek its own. Uh, Moffat translation, never selfish. Uh, 20th century New Testament, love is never self-seeking. Uh, let, let's go over to Philippians uh, chapter 2. This is such a great place to just do a little study for a minute. Are you guys good? Because what we're going to do tonight is just become aware of this feature, this facet of a characteristic that God's calling us to, and we're going to take some responsibility here for it. And I want to just say something to you that I think is really a key in everything we do in our, our maturing and our growth, uh, even if you're not a Christian and your, your transition of, of, of coming in and, and, and accepting Jesus it takes humility. It takes humbling yourself. And I think God gets a kick out of people that admit when they're wrong and repent of the little, medium, and big things really fast. And we're repentant and we're humble. And um, not to be confused with self-deprecation and low self-esteem, but, uh, but to just have a healthy you know, it's, it's easier to pastor people that know where they have some flaws and admit it than it is for people that use all their energies to be in total denial and put on, put on airs their whole time. And that, in fact, is one of the definitions for love doesn't put on airs. It doesn't cherish inflated ideas of its own self-worth. So, but yet, it says in Romans that we're not to think more highly of ourselves than we ought to think, Romans 12, but that we should think soberly as God has allotted to each a measure of faith or a measure in the faith. We all have a part. We all have a role. There's neither male nor female, bond nor free, hot shot or low life or whatever. We're all in the great, amazing uh, equalizer of the shed blood of Jesus that atones for all of humanity, all the nations, both genders, all ages, throughout time. Can I hear an amen? amen. Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. said every person must decide whether they will walk in the light of creative altruism or in the darkness of destructive selfishness. Altruism is a word which basically means being magnanimous, being generous, being courteous, being thoughtful, being considerate. Guys, in 1 Thessalonians, they were so developed in this that Paul told them, Man, you don't even have anybody, you don't even need anybody to teach you this because God's teaching you to walk in love. So they, they were in a great place spiritually with it. The Corinthians apparently were not, and they needed uh, a, an extra level of understanding. Then when John wrote his gospel, it was about 60 years after Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John wrote their gospel. And those are the synoptic gospels, meaning they all line up and they're all basically talking about the last year of Jesus' life. John, toward the end of his life, he had not written anything. Then he writes his, what the theologians call the Johannian uh, 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 revelation. You know, it's like, why don't you just call it the revelation of John, you know? And, which is actually, John's revelation was a revelation of Jesus. It's a revelation of Jesus. How, who he is. What he does. Why he's so significant. You know, it appeals back all the religious cold formalism and our preconceptions about him and you know I want to know the Jesus of the Bible and I want to get Bible results and I want to carry him into a world that it, as as Jesus in his own words warned us because lawlessness and wickedness have increased uh, most people's love will grow cold most that did you hear that and and that look would that, that, that is haunting. And we as believers must take this to heart if we want to see uh, our generation impacted with the message of Jesus. If we want to see the nations that these flags all represent and that the, 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 the atlas there and all the continents that the, 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 the glory of God will cover the whole earth. And the knowledge of him and, and the knowledge of his glory at every place. The love walk is the catalyst for the flow of the anointing and the glory. 
Faith works through love. It says in Galatians chapter 5, verse 6. Oh, this is such an important message. Faith works through love. And uh, Philippians chapter 2, let, let, let's look at these, verse 1 through 4. Philippians chapter 2 uh, says, Therefore, if there is any encouragement in Christ, you ever been encouraged in the Lord? Okay, then, then okay. He's almost asking facetious questions. If there's any consolation of love, have you ever been consoled by the fact that you know God loves you? Yes. If there is any fellowship of the Spirit, if any affection and compassion, if there's a thimbleful, he says, make my joy complete. He's, Paul's telling this church, by being of the same mind, maintaining the same love, united in spirit, intent on one purpose. Boy, if a if a family did that, if a body of believers did that, if a, if a local business did that. I, my, my dentist retired, and uh, I, you know, he, upon the recommendation of one of his family members, I found another dentist, and a, he has developed a beautiful culture. Um, the people from the time you, you come pull in, you go in, and the people at the at the desk greet you. There's there's a professionalism. You don't feel like they're they're smiling and then talking about you behind your back. They 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 they're they're very thorough. Uh, you know they they're endeavoring to give you really good care. They're making sure you're okay. You know and that kind of thing. And uh, I want to write them a letter and say, man, I you 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 know I know you're scientific. I know you had to get a an MD in dentistry, so you had to study science, and you you, you obviously must have a lot of left brain strength, uh, you know, and, and as a logic person, that, because surgeons and doctors tend to have to have that type of scientific logic type of strength. But yet he's expanded and done right brain kind of people skills awareness and created uh, a beautiful environment, you know, that, that it, it has... It has um, uh, layers of it. It's not just, well, these guys have to put up with all these people, but the dentist is really great. Oh, I have to put up with the, the mean, uh, dismissive uh, attendant in the front and the, 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 uh, the waitress or waiter that's ignoring me, but, but, but at least the chef makes good food. No. Look, Jesus is supreme, but he has representation. It's called us. And Paul is saying, guys, love is patient, so be patient with us. Be patient with yourselves. Be patient with each other. Be tolerant and merciful. Be gracious. Be courteous in your demeanor and manner. Be kind. That's the opposite of being caustic and harsh. Be kind. Um, Jesus was kind to ungrateful men. Be kind. And then he says, don't, 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 don't. It, it, don't brag. Don't be jealous, don't brag, don't be arrogant. God hates a haughty look. Pride comes before the fall. It's a really important thing to avoid, right? Uh, don't act unbecomingly. Boy, that is convicting. And uh, it does not seek its own. It does not seek its own. And um, I wrote this down. Uh, selfishness is, it was in the in the. I think the Merriam-Webster Dictionary, a concern for one's own welfare or advantage at the expense of or disregard of others. See, did you hear that? A concern for one's own welfare or advantage at the expense or disregard of others. So it's very narrow. It's like, it's all about me. In fact, I was driving down Highway 270 and I saw a bumper sticker. And the bumper sticker said, it is all about me. With big letters is, I thought, I just cracked up, you know, because here's somebody saying, I, I'm, I realize I'm kind of selfish. I'm a work in progress. And I love that. I thought that was funny. Uh, but when people do think it's all about them, that's not funny. When we, when I do that, I realize all the times I've sinned, it's self-centered. It's selfish. It's selfish. I, it's not being considerate of how I make God feel, how the, the effect of it would be. Uh, it's just all a self thing. And, uh, you know, selfishness, some of the, the synonyms for it are self-obsessed, egocentric. Um, I wrote this down. Self-preservation is a vital human instinct. Self-preservation is a vital 
human instinct. And let's all admit right now that we are each self-aware. Do you notice that about you? you? You're you. And that's cool. That's okay. Not only is that okay, it's, it's, fa- it's actually fantastic. Especially when we surrender, crucify our flesh, and, and get our tendencies of, of, of yielding to our own thing, and we start to grow and mature in the direction of what Jesus is calling us to. That is going to be interesting and will provide a glaring contrast for the world that because lawlessness and wickedness is increased, most people's love will grow cold. When I moved here from Southern California, well, I was excited about the heartland because uh, there, there was some courtesy. Uh, not so much where I lived uh, because they were all transplants that were unhappy with where they were in Omaha, Nebraska or Kansas City, Missouri or whatever. And they were all going to go try to be stars and go to the beach and get a tan and all that kind of stuff. Really. And it's like people running to the edge of the continent chasing a dream. And they call it the land of fruits and nuts. And I'm not going to disparage everything or everybody there. And I'm not going to generalize because I, I, there are some wonderful believers and wonderful things happening in California. I got saved there. And I'm not going to be uh, regional and you know, provincial and all that kind of garbage. Because sin is sin and people are people everywhere you go. But after I graduated from high school, I went to, back to California with my, my friend uh, and uh, uh, Tom in his uh, Volkswagen Beetle. We drove 36 hours nonstop from St. Louis to Los Angeles. 36, we got up there in Arizona, and wind was blowing so hard, I thought we were going to blow off the mountain, but we made it. And um, not a lot of leg room in a Volkswagen Beetle. But then on our way back, we went to Texas to visit my father, Clyde Perry's daughter, and her husband, and their kids, and my grandmother in Brownfield, Texas, south of Lubbock, Texas. So we took a different route on the way home. We went into the panhandle of Texas. We drove out there in the, 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 you know, the sagebrush and the flatlands of the deserty. And um, everybody that drove past us in our little Volkswagen with our feathered hair and our hippie, you know, uh, pseudo-hippie thing, cowboys, rifle rack, pickup trucks, Drive, they drive by, and here's what they did. Every time. And it just, and my wife knows that I guess one of my love languages is, you know, waving and not reaching for your rifle. Right? It's like, thank you for waving and not reaching for your rifle. Because I did see Easy Rider. But anyway, I, it gratified my, hey, it gratified my heart just to see people Acknowledging each other in a kind of a, in a, in a not a patronizing uh, fake way, but just like, hey, you're another human being driving by in the road of life, and I just didn't want to ignore you. I, I felt such cold harshness. Look, it's interesting that the Bible says that many people, most people's love will grow cold. God is love, so he's created humanity, and here's what I believe. You know, uh, the Calvinist and, uh, you know, the, 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 the total depravity and all that, that yet humanity is created in God's image, and you have to understand humanity was redeemable and loved by God, right? Not denying the fact that all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, you know, but acknowledging that there are vestiges of the imprint of the God creation. See, if you believe that, if you, you, know, you think it's evolution or you think it's an accident, then you go down a whole different, you go to your conclusions are grim. You know? But yeah, I'm, I'm assuming you buy into the notion that in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth and that there is a God in heaven who reveals mysteries to men. And he's really cracking this open to us to really conquer uh, selfishness. And I think the key, if you're a note taker, think of, think of this definition. It's a concern for one's own welfare or advantage at the expense of or disregard of others. Look, when we get on the airplanes, how many of you have ever flown in an airplane? 
Okay, so the flight attendant, right, they, they tell you how to put your seatbelt on. They show you where the exits are. And uh, they tell you to, that if, if the, in the event that oxygen would drop in the, in the cabin, a mask will f- come down. And then they tell you something really counterintuitive to us, especially if you're a parent or a grandparent. You put it on you first before you put it on anybody else. I remember there was a golfer that uh, was in a private jet uh, tragedy. That guy with that wore the old school 890s. What was that guy's name? Payne Stewart. And tragically, you know, the ox- oxygen dropped in the, in the fuselage and everybody died immediately. And so the plane was on autopilot. The, I guess the, the Air National Guard or some entity sent fighter jets to see what was going on, and they escorted it until it ran out of gas. Unfortunately, it was in, I guess, some north woods up in the northern states. But um, just the quickness of that. And I have heard that thing said to me so many times. Well, then um, uh, you fast-forwarded a little bit, and I was, I was in a you know, full court press with a lot of responsibilities at a season. And uh, a guy used that metaphor to tell me, remember, you got to put your mask on before you put it on everybody else, right? And so I'm going to just tell you this, because that almost sounds selfish. Because this says, selfishness by definition is a concern for one's own welfare or advantage at the expense of or disregard of others. So, I think selfishness is you put it on and go, let everybody, I just want to see you all croak. You know, it's, I remember a minister, a really noted mighty man of God, and he said, people, you know, he got up and he he contested this whole thing. It's God first, then others, then myself. And he said, no, you got to flip this, the next two. And it was really, wasn't popular. This was uh, I mean, the I am third, and the, I mean, there were like movies and books and statements about it. Everybody was running around, and they were, right? And, and, but he said, if you're not taking care of yourself, you can't take care of anybody else. So, I'm not, so I want to say this as I'm saying love doesn't seek its own. I, I, I want to say what it is and try to say what it is not, okay? It is not that you just ignore yourself, let your health drop, uh, you know, just take, don't take care of yourself, don't build yourself up in the faith. We've got to take care of ourselves. The best gift we could give others is a healthy us. And this is a health tonic right here. Love is patient. Love is kind. How many of you are growing and developing patience, whether you like it or not? How many of you want me to hurry up at this message right now? So you need to develop some more patience. How many of you, I'm kind of taking you off. Well, you need some kindness, right? Okay, so, and then, and then, uh, isn't jealous, doesn't brag, isn't arrogant, doesn't act unbecomingly, does not seek its own as the primary consideration. And boy, have we all been around. Um, I noticed this in traffic, and th- this is very minor, but, and I, you know, I'll probably sound petty, but I noticed people that would be at intersections, and they'd be looking at emails and stuff, oh, and they'd, they'd mouth-breathe their way through the intersection real slow, and there would be a stack of 10 or 12 cars behind them. And as long as they got through the intersection, it didn't really matter about who the people were around them, right? Have you ever noticed that? That's selfishness. Sometimes that accidentally happens. But generally, it's like as long as me and mine have it, I don't really care. It's disregard for other people. So when I went to the dentist, there was regard for other people. And it wasn't that big a deal. It wasn't like, we're so glad you're here. You know, here's a, you know. Here's a sugar-free Pepsi because it won't rot your teeth. You know, that kind of thing. It wasn't like that. It was just courtesy. Everybody say courtesy. Courtesy is so important. Um, and, in fact, let's just continue here with Philippians chapter 2. Um, it says in verse uh, 3, it says, Do nothing from selfishness or empty conceit. Do nothing from selfishness or empty conceit, but with, with humility of mind, regard one another as more important than yourselves. Did you hear that? Now, if you feel like a low worm piece of dirt, 
you know, you'll love your neighbor as you love yourself. If you have self-loathing, you, you know, you're not going to do this right. You got to feel really good about how much God loves you. I said, you got to understand that Jesus loves you. Say this with me. Jesus loves me. This I know. For the Bible tells me so. But Pastor Jeff, I, I fail and I, and yeah, I know. We've all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Make, we don't make light of that, but we ha- and, we, and we recognize that. And in spite of that, God, we, we, we weren't redeemed according to deeds we've done in righteousness, but according to his mercy. Yeah. Isn't this wonderful? Yeah. This is catalytic material to create a chemical reaction in your individual life, in your family, in your household, where you work, the dynamics of our local church, this St. Louis bi-state region, the heartland, the United States of America. Listen, I believe there are, there are things going on in Germany right now, Brazil. There are things going on where people are getting these things lined up and getting in order all over the world. People in all the time zones are lining up with this. The Lord is beating this drum right now. And uh, how many of you want to see more souls come into the kingdom? I do. Um, more miracles, more answers, more hate, uh, speed in the answers to your prayers. Boy, so I just don't want any blessing blockers, growth inhibitors, uh, prayer sabotage. My Bible says, uh, you know, as a husband, hey, you need to treat your wife with an, in an, with an understanding way as with a weaker vessel and treat her as a fellow heir of the grace of life, lest your prayers be hindered. You guys, all I've got is the word and prayer. All you really have is the word and prayer. It's not by might, not by power. It's by his spirit, says the Lord. You might, be, you might be very sophisticated. You might be super educated. You might be really gifted, and I respect that. But at the end of the day, we need divine intervention. And I, I see the love walk as the high-ranking characteristic that defines our citizenship with him god is love is is a big deal by this shall all men know that you are my disciples look 30 years ago at the rombach farm footprint there there's now shopping malls and gas stations and things like that there were the there was this elegant family and a number of households farm in the fields they're old school farmers from the 1920s. And we went there to, after the flood, to try to get them back on their feet. I mean, all their barns were flooded, their houses, all their possessions were ruined. It just happened, and it was rough. You know, some of their tractors were waterlogged and rusty and just stuff, just multi-layers, you know. And I, I read that the incidences of heart attacks, strokes, and divorces, suicides go up in these kinds of crisis situations. So I thought as a Christian, God really led, led us as a, as a church in a real series of, guy, of you know, directives, you know, call for, for cleanup in the month of August. It's, so I got up and I said, just like our, my son-in-law Steve, hey, we're going to do this. It's like, we're going to have flood cleanup. And it's like, I mean, it went over like a lead balloon. I didn't get one smile. I didn't, you guys are ameners and you're all happy and laughing. And uh, nobody did. But anyway, but when it all came to where it was necessary and it was, it, we just had, we just had to show up. So we committed and we did and we were having, uh, we had close to 200 volunteers on this particular weekend. It was really something. And there was so much energy, and there was such a united purpose, and we were focused on it, and we were working behind the scenes to try to make it thorough and getting equipment up ahead and getting permits and permission and that kind of thing. And even though it was early on, we were starting to learn rapidly. God was really helping us. But I remember that out in the front of their, their place where they sold, they sold produce for years, you know, like a, a farmer's market. Uh, we spread out and had our lunch, and we made sure that, you know, everybody that was out at a distance would 
we had to get, uh, it was so far back that uh, we had to get bag phones. We had, we had to get these, we got, remember that they were like 75 pound bag phones. And I got posh and I got one of those beige, it's like the size of like uh, Shaquille O'Neal's basketball shoe. And it got like, it was like a microwave. I thought, man, this can't, I had to keep switching it. You know how when you're sleeping on your pillow and you have to flip your pillow? This thing got so hot, it was like, that just couldn't have been good. I'm glad technology went past that because I don't think, I don't think that was good. But we had what, but we would call each other and it was interesting because there was such an overwhelming flow. We had to actually, there were a lot of people that got so passionate about their work, we had to politely say, please, now you have to take a break and you have to come have lunch. And we had stations to wash your hands and things like that because that was super important. And we were all there and we were, it felt like this, felt like church. And to me, and I'm used to it. And so, but she came out, Mrs. Rombach, what was her first name, John? It was uh, Emil's wife, I think. But anyway, she, she came out and she said something I'll never forget. She, she stood by me and she looked at all of this and she heard everybody. She said, this is like a family reunion. By this show all know that, all men know that you are my disciples. There was so much love. We were laughing, we're teasing each other, we're helping each other, you know, get the, you know, here, you take my plate, no, you take, here's a fork, and that kind of thing. And um, it was just, we were just acting like Christians. And see, Jesus warned that because lawlessness has increased, most people's love will grow cold. NIV, because of wickedness, uh, of the increase of wickedness. Now, I remember when I was in Bible school, and we were seeing things developing in our generation. And you could track it by magazines. It used to be Saturday Night Post, and and then there was Life, and then all of a sudden there was, uh, it went into, into, um, uh, let's see, people, then, then self, then me. And it was like, this is the, this is the, what was it? Didn't they call one decade the me decade? The me generation, right? And I, we wonder why there's so much narcissism now. It's because people grew up in it. You know, we'd be doing jump right now, and what we would have been teaching the kids was basic standard uh, Christian modus operandi. Uh, love God, love your neighbor as yourself, Do unto others as you'd have them do unto you. We were helping them to learn how to shake hands. It got to a point where don't don't even get six feet from each other. Smile. Well, now we'll mask up. You can't even look at each other. Stay at home. Don't even connect. Because sickness comes from the devil. I understand you have to have quarantines and things like that, and they're just it'll history will bear out what was right and what was wrong. But we did the best we could navigating to try to be compliant. Um, we, we are, as Christians, submissive, but we are not subservient. We are submissive, but we are not subservient. We are self-aware, but we're not to be selfish. See, s- s- you're aware of your thing, and you make sure you take care of yourself. I, I've known ministers who have experienced burnout, and they're gone. And they needed to have taken care of themselves so they would still be an equipping gift in the body of Christ. So you got to support that, and you got to support that with yourself. Put your mask on before you put the mask on for other people. But that does not advocate that it's to the disregard of and the expense of others. I'm going to tell you a story. There was a guy that was briefly in our church left. He would go out with his friends, and uh, uh, Tina Richard was about eight months pregnant. She was sitting in a chair. She got up to go somewhere. She came, he, he sat down in the seat. She came back, and he said, um, that, that was my seat. She, he said, well, you, you got up and left. He didn't get up for her. He didn't get up for her. Um, they, every time their little group of Christian friends wanted to go to a movie, he wouldn't go unless it was the one he picked. I, one time, I had such a clash with him, I drove all the way up to his house in North County, and I, 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 right when I got, I was trying to figure out how to correct this and deal with it, and the Lord had me flip it just in case I was wrong. And so I went in with 
I, I need to know, I think I need to repent, I don't know what it is I've done to offend you. Just, and I just did that to break the ice, and he, at, for a brief moment, owned up to some of his self-centeredness. But then he quickly went back to it. And you could live a lifetime being overguarded, over self-absorbed, and mean as a Missouri mule. Ears pinned back. And, and that's not like hallelujah. That's not like praise the Lord. You think you're saying hallelujah, but you're actually going. And God doesn't, God doesn't like that. And you know, when a preacher's pointing the finger, he's pointing three back at himself. So I just, you know, we all have to own up to this. And because we are human, and that is the human condition, self-awareness, let's go to Galatians chapter 2. I'm almost done now. I've got, the, I've got some three keys, three keys that are practical. And I wrote this down. The best existence is a selfless existence. The worst existence is a selfish existence. Jesus, our example, did not come to be served, but to serve. Now, I got this word posturing when I was preparing, and I, I, I've heard of it, but I looked it up, and in the Cambridge English Dictionary, it says, it's behavior or speech that is intended to attract attention and interest or to make people believe something that is not true. There is so much posturing in the world today. You can see it in the geopolitical spectrum. There's so much posturing, and... Uh, that is not what God's advocating the church do. He wants us, ab above all, the Lord's bondservants are to be faithful and that it be authentic. Yeah. And that's what, that's what got me when I was, you know, speak, seeking God. Uh, I ran into wide awake, genuine believers. And this is what we aspire to, amen? So here's, here's, if, you have a, if you're taking notes, I have three points. This is a practical application now, since we are to grow up in him and conform to the image of Christ. Um, number one, uh, the, the cure for selfishness. Here's the cure for selfishness. Number one, uh, embracing a revelation of Jesus and of how much he loves you. Embracing a revelation. The guy that didn't give the seat to the pregnant lady, even when she came back after it, if he had just understood how much God loved him, he would, have been, he would have been in a place of personal security that would have shifted him from guarding and defending himself and being so doggone mean to, he would have been aware that I, he, it would have caused a, a, a peace and a settledness in his heart it's like, I'm, God's not going to allow me to miss out. And this was this lady's chair. She is 12 months pregnant or 14 months pregnant. In fact, I'm going to tell you about Tina. I'm going to tell you, Tina, we, we had, we had uh, Dick Mills here, and he prophesied. Where were, we were up at like a hotel up in North County. And he prophesied to Tina that she would have the first baby at St. Louis Family Church in the new year. She said, I rebuke that in Jesus' name. Because she you were due, you were due. She was due December 20th, and you had the baby on February 11th. She carried the baby for how many months? January. January. How many months? So were you like pregnant for an extra month? That's intense. 21 days. So it's funny because he prophesied, oh no, I rebuked that in Jesus' name. Well. She had the first St. Louis Family Church baby in the new year. What, what year was that? 91. That's before we even got, that was a year before we got it started, well, two years before we got in this building. And, um, but, yeah, can, do I sound like I'm frustrated with that behavior? You're darn right I am. It's like, what? What? You, repent of that. Look at somebody and say, never mind. All right. No, it's, we're walking in love. I just remember what my message was. My, I'm, my back is beating up with sweat right now, so I'm convicted. God, 
God is like, hey, you better, hey, practice what you preach, preacher. Oh, yeah, okay, that's right. So a revelation, listen, this sounds simple, but just Jesus loves me. Just as I am without a plea, my Savior, you know, he, he loves me. He loves me. And, and, I'm, and I'm secure in that. And, um, and you develop that, and it makes you aware of that, secure in that, and better for it. Because then it's like, you don't have to go. Because I, people that I think are selfish, it's rooted in fear. It's just like, I better get, I better get mine so before anybody else does. I better get it. And I don't really care about you, just so long as I get in. It's like, no, let, let me tell you a story about my kids. And, I, and, and this is a good one I get to tell. So there's a place in Nashville called the Bluebird. And it's a little uh, hole in the wall that, and they have, that because it's full of professional musicians, interesting things happen in this little, uh, this music venue. And, um, and Chelsea and uh, King, King went there to Belmont College, and Chelsea was there for a few years, and and, uh, they, and, um, and there, were, there was a couple, I think, from Ohio or something, right, that, that were um, right behind them. And, and um, so King, and they had waited in line, and you wait for a long time. It's a little tiny little place. Uh, that TV show Nashville, they did a, they did a complete um, rebuild of it for a set to make, a, make it part of their program. Little tiny thing. And uh, uh, the, one of the people came out, the officials, and said, Hey, um, there's only room for two more. Everything's filled up. And so, and this is funny because King tells the story differently than Chelsea, but Chelsea said, hey, look, we live here and we've been here a number of times. You know, let let them go. And and they were like, are you sure? And that's not why. And she said, yeah, yeah, you go ahead and go. So then the person said, okay. So they they brought him in. And then so did Chelsea and and King. uh, You know, King made the point that, uh, well, Chelsea did that. Uh, that really wasn't, I, did, I, I, didn't re- I didn't really want to do that. But he actually was real generous. But uh, just a little while later, they, they, a little while later, that same person came out and said, hey, there, I, have two, I have two places for you guys. Come on, follow me. And so there was still a big, long line, you know, spread out through the parking lot. So they, okay, so they walked in. And so they, they were escorted through, and the, the people that they let go in were up on these real uncomfortable high bar stools, kind of pivoted around on a corner with their elbows sort of like trying to, and, and they went, oh, hi. And, and they, were, they were ushered past them, and they were seated at this table, big, natural, low-sized table with a whole bunch of these cowboy-looking guys. And so they sat down. They ordered some chicken nuggets and some other stuff. And they were sitting there, and they were laughing, and they were befriending the people they were sitting next to. And, and one guy said, I believe I just ate some of your chicken nuggets. And because uh, uh, he didn't, you know, because their food was all close to each other. And he said, hey, no problem. You can have my chicken nuggets. So then the singer-songwriter gets up there, and he's singing. And then, uh, am I, sh- yeah, yeah. So then, so, so this guy said, you know, my heroes, I, I got to play with uh, Ringo Starr, and, I got, and he names off all these ba- people. And he said, and now, so the greatest inspirations of my life, um, they're actually here tonight. And, and it's uh, Pure Prairie League, which is a su- southern rock band from the 70s. They sang the song Amy, you know. So they were the guys that were sitting at the table eating the chicken nuggets. They got up. So, so out of... Out of altruism, out of like, what, what did Dr. King call it? I thought this was interesting, the way he worded it. Dr. Martin Luther King said, every person must decide whether they will walk in the light of creative altruism. That's generosity. That's selflessness. That's, that's, it's creative. You've got to think about it. You've got to go, you know, it's not all about me. And God loves me so much, I can forfeit some things in sacrifice and trust that God will even have something better for me. But really? Yes. Or walk in the darkness of destructive selfishness. Uh, wow. Did I tell the story correctly? Is it okay that I shared it? Yeah. So, I mean, weren't you guys like right under them and they're saying, Amy, what you... In fact, sing it, pure prayer league. All right. Um, 
Okay, number two. And this is what I want to primarily end with. Galatians chapter 2, verse 20. Constantly confess Galatians chapter 2, verse 20. I'm telling you, this will crucify selfishness. Ready? Let's read this out loud. Ready? Read. I have been crucified with Christ, and it is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. And the life which I now live, I live by faith in the Son of God, who what? Loved me and what? Gave himself up for me. Did you read that? Listen, get this burnished into your thinking. This verse is so powerful. Charlie and Jill LeBlanc wrote a song that with this, this, and it's so powerful. It's one of their great songs. I have been crucified with Christ. When he died, I died. He took my sins and carried it to Calvary. And and not just symbolism, but actuality. He suffered and died in my place and took the penalty for my sins, yours and mine and ours, and uh, so that we could be a new creation. The old things would pass away, old things would become new. And it is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. And the life which I now live, I live by faith in this. And we walk by faith. This is a faith thing. Selfishness can be conquered by faith. That guy could have given the chair back to the pregnant lady, don't you think? Don't you think God had another chair for that guy? Absolutely. He could have forfeited and said, I'll compromise. We'll see, uh, I'll go see uh, Notting Hill, uh, uh, but then eventually you gotta go see uh, Terminator with me or something like that, you know? I'm glad my wife loves action movies, but I'm not, hey, Marlene Long gave me a mug that says real men can watch Hallmark movies. I threw that thing away as fast as I got it. Let's all stand up on our feet. What's the third one? Here's the third one. It's, it's, embedded in, it's embedded in our motto at our church. Number three. Number one, get a revelation on how much Jesus loves you. Number two, constantly confess I have been crucified with Christ. Number three, and it's no longer I, me, me, I, I, me, me. It's Christ who lives within me. Number three, go out of your way to bless people. Go, look, get, get in a moment, just... Look, in Boy Scouts, they said, do a good deed daily. I mean, that's, a boy, that, that's Boy Scouts. It, it, it came from the Judeo-Christian. And by the way, Satan hates this truth so much. He's fighting this right now. And it is becoming increasingly more and more harsh. We are on an acceleration moment. And, but yeah, you know what? Look at somebody next to you and say, that's it, I'm going to walk in love now. Look at somebody else and say, it's over, I'm no longer selfish. Say, um, you didn't know this, but you're sitting by somebody completely awesome now. Go ahead and say it. <laughs>